Well, welcome back everybody for the first Tech Whispers podcast featuring a chief information security officer. And not just any CISO, but a Hall of Fame, business impacting, top of her game CISO. This of course would have to be United Airlines' Deneen DeFiori. Deneen has cracked the code on what some believe is an impossible job. She's figured out how to provide clarity in a sea of complexity, and her leadership story and philosophies could be summed up in one word, and that would be balance. Think about balancing the need to secure our companies, yet be enabler to the business. Think about balancing the need to go faster, to enable your company to achieve greater velocity while keeping the trains on the rails, or I guess in this case, keeping the planes in the sky. It's kind of a big deal. And also balancing the competing interests and priorities from far-ranging stakeholders, both inside and outside the company. And last but not least, but balancing the art and the science of her profession. And she does that with grace and grit and a growth mindset. So Deneen, welcome to the show. And you know, let's start off with, because you're a business first CISO. So tell me, how's business? It's actually great. Um, we just uh, we just got done with earnings week and uh, announced that we ran the best uh, operation uh, this quarter that we've ever done as an airline. So uh, the least amount of flight and seat cancellation. So we were number one. And uh, uh, you know, travel leisure travel is is back. Business is is getting there, but everything uh, everything's looking good. Congratulations! That was exciting news. Not surprising news, but exciting news to see. <laughs> and there's a, another company in the industry, I won't mention names, who maybe is uh, aspiring to that these days, right? <laughs> we all aspire. <laughs> yeah. No, great job. And, you know, you're you're the consummate airline business executive first, right? So when you pop out of bed in the morning, and I know you do, you got a lot of energy. What's on your mind? You know, how are you thinking about the business as you, as you get your day going? Right. I think, you know, in the context of uh, what what I can do and why a team does uh, to make sure that United is secure and protected, um, it's really around maintaining the resiliency of our operation. So, um, you know, ensuring that uh, ensuring that, you know, we can run a continuous operation in, in an event of a cyber incident or, you know, in and in addition, the ways that we're, you know, proactively protecting um, our business. Yeah. So complex business on many levels, right? A lot of moving parts. Your CEO uh, put out a big, bold agenda. You know, we got a chance to read about that. Uh, the four pillars, I, I recommend people going and, and reading those. Uh, exciting. So maybe you open up your playbook a little bit. And, you know, what are the stages as you're leading initiatives, as you're leading a transformation initiative? Do you have step stages that you go through to lead your organization? Yeah, Absolutely. I think there is, you know, a couple of aspects uh, that you have to think about in any uh, transformation, or if you're achieving kind of a, uh, uh, your north star goal, right? That aspirational goal that you want to want to set and and achieve. And I think the first thing it, it really needs to be is being what I call brilliant at the basics. So setting those table stakes and making sure that those baseline, in my case, cybersecurity protections. Um, regulatory compliance obligations are there and that we are able to maintain those as a course of doing business, doing DT, doing technology, doing digital, right? So making sure that we have 
vulnerability management, identification, remediation as part of our muscle memory, right? And we just do it. It's part of it. It's not extra. And we all know how to do that. And that gives you the credibility then to, you know, do the other things, um, the, you know, the initiatives, the, the, the next, set, I would say, uh, part of the strategy around advancing our capabilities, right? So we have the basics in place. And then we are constantly looking at um, the threat environment, uh, how that is changing and how that's impacting uh, United and the uh, commercial aviation industry. And then we're changing, you know, we're, we're, we're changing the bar as we understand um, what is happening. So for instance, you know, a few years ago when it was destructive attacks, uh, you know, we had to look at our, look at our cybersecurity strategy differently. Uh, it started off around, you know, as any cybersecurity strategy does around data protection, right? But those disruptive attacks really made us open our eyes, open our eyes, and say we needed a strategy that took into consideration resiliency at a much level, um, at a much higher level of priority. So an example was, you know, our segmentation strategy that we were going forward, our network segmentation strategy was based historically on zones, right? Of data and sensitivity. This is the PCI zone, the PII zone, whatever, and we would put data protect uh, segmentation and data protection um, uh, capabilities in. But then as we looked at the changing threat environment, we had to move towards, okay, if it's if it's operational disruption that we're really, really concerned about, how do we put the segmentation around those core operational capabilities and protect our business in that sense of, of, of the blast radius? So, you know, it's not just about data protection, but it's about resiliency. So, you know, we're really at the basics. We're understanding our environment to continue to advance our capabilities. And then, of course, we're aligning um, what, like, we're securing the outcomes that the business is going to drive. In our case, it's United Next. As the business is in growth mode, we have, you know, I think 500 or 700, whatever the number is, it keeps growing planes on order um, of our of our connected fleet. And we're interacting with our, we're changing our customer experience to be much more um, you know, seamless and transparent and trusted across our digital channels and um, the way you interact with our um, employees and our products. You know, we're making sure that those are built from a secure by design um, standpoint as well. So it's really around those three prongs that we, you know, look at that transformational strategy and then we're, you know, achieving and setting those goals and outcomes. So a lot of moving parts, uh, a lot of collaboration, cross-functional collaboration. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that makes up your brand is the, you know, the winning as a team. You're you're big into that, right? Yeah, so absolutely. You know, preparing this, I was really curious to ask you about a particular partnership. You know, I was thinking about the CISO, the CIO, the chief customer officer, right? Yourself, Jason Birnbaum, your CIO, also from GE, yeah. uh, like yourself. And uh, she doesn't need introductions, but Linda Jojo, like a uh, legend, right? And now the chief customer officer. So Take us inside the room. What's that collaboration like for the three of you? Yeah, so I think it's a it's a really uh, it's a great dynamic and it's a great partnership. Um, you know, Jason and I are uh, peers, and we hold each other accountable for making sure we're doing the right things for United. And you know, we're pri I'm prioritizing you know business outcomes, uh, making sure that cybersecurity is enabling us to do things that we haven't done before instead of putting roadblocks in 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 place. And he's making sure that he understands, you know, my world and the risk and threats. And he's holding his himself and his team accountable to make sure that all those great digital capabilities that we're introducing for our customers and our employees are, you know, secure and trusted. So we work really, really well. 
And then Linda, you know, she uh, she brings that um, just awesome business perspective, you know, connecting the dots and pulling the threads for all of us. And then really keeping, again, the uh, customer, it, you know, the customer view and impact um, at top of mind, right? So because everything we're doing is to ensure that our customers are getting, you know, safely, securely, and, you know, hopefully enjoyably from point A to point B. And, you know, as we lean into digital and we lean into um, you know, taking our strategy to uh, a more trusted level, uh, she's she's a great, uh, great person to kind of have oversee that uh, across the board. So it's 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 a great partnership. I, I, I love working at both of them. Yeah, I bet. I bet they say the same thing. And, you know, I think about the different constituencies that are on your radar, your team's radar, this internal, external. We probably do an entire podcast just on that, right? But maybe highlight some of those different uh, audiences that you need to collaborate with, partner with, influence, communicate. Sure. Okay. sure. You know, so I think like internally, of course, with in United, there's different, definitely a cross-functional approach to cybersecurity. So, you know, we look at that collaboratively across a lot of the functions. So if it's, you know, technical operations, airport operations, legal, safety, physical security, um, digital technology, of course, we're all kind of on the same page and we're all on the same team um, and making sure that, you know, as initiatives kick off or risks are identified or, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, we're, we're all collaborating and talking on a very, very consistent basis. But, you know, there's also a lot um, around, uh, you know, externally that happens to that, uh, especially as a CISO um, in the commercial aviation uh, sector, because we operate as an ecosystem that I have to be connected into. So definitely my industry peers, um, you know, even though we're competitors <laughs> in, a, in a lot of cases, um, we're talking about things and approaches and best practices and, you know, really trying to set the baseline of the ecosystem and keep, you know, advancing and, and, um, and making sure we have those capabilities across, across the board. Uh, and that includes, you know, not just my, um, like I said, my, my airline peers, but, uh, also OEMs and suppliers like the GEs, like the Boeings, Airbuses and things like that. So we're, we're constantly, uh, communicating and collaborating that way. And then, you know, like many other industries, uh, you know, regulators and policymakers. You, there's no shortage of uh, action in that space, and really understanding um, the outcomes that uh, policymakers and regulators are trying to achieve, and what they're suggesting from a you know from a rule rules perspective are really going to be feasible and achieve that risk reduction. So, building a lot of relationships um, with the different, you know, federal agencies and and global agencies to ensure we're doing the right thing for aviation. Yeah, one thing you usually in the past, uh, I just hit me uh, very strongly is, as an industry with my peers, we we don't compete on safety. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, as somebody who's on your plane, uh, I appreciate that and. Uh, and by the way, if uh, if you're listening on audio, um, go check out the YouTube version of this because Danina's sitting in a beautiful United airplane background. What you you know what the equipment is there? Where you're sitting? Um, in? I, I I can't remember what uh, the the plane uh, model is, but it uh, definitely features our Polaris, uh, um, you know, business class seat. So it's a it's a great way to fly. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Um, Bringing collaboration internal, you know, as leaders, we've got to build build great teams. And you get this Danita-ism 
I think we can all learn from. And and you talk about I force collaboration until I don't have to. That's right. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, um, I was. We were just had a uh, our my extended leadership team uh, last week, and there was a lot of discussion around this. Um, but I think you know it's really important. Like you had mentioned we earlier, right? I have a philosophy that we win as a team. You know, we create shared goals and outcomes, and we all we all make sure that we are contributing. And we understand how we contribute to those outcomes. So if one person does great, but another person is kind of caught off guard or or wasn't involved or inclu- uh, included as they needed to be, that's that's not exactly a win, right? So I make sure that um, every everybody is talking to who they need to, whether they like it or not. Um, it, it it feels kind of I always say it will feel forced at first. But yes, until it happens organically, I'm going to set the operating rhythms and I'm going to make sure that, you know, we're bringing people in and we're, we're, I'm asking questions and I'm making sure this person is talking to that person and connecting the dots for them. But, you know, as, as, as those interactions become more, you know, more trusted and um, people start to see the benefits, then they can happen on their own. So I definitely, definitely uh, one of my uh, tricks of the, tricks of my trade there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kevin Hart was just on. He's uh, one of the great CIO to CEO stories. And he talked about being in college uh, as junior year uh, soccer team captain. Um, they had like the worst record in school history. He's like, you know, I'm the MVP of the worst team ever. He's like, that, there's no reward yeah. there. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to turn it around and have the best season ever the next year, which is pretty cool. But that's right. You know, in the introduction, I talked about this, this, the CISO, the great CISO balancing act, right? Which everyone talks about it. I see very few finessing it and, and pulling it off, right? And so how do you secure the business at the same time, enabling agility, enabling innovation, digital transformation, all these great things you talked about that lead to the results you just announced? Yeah, I, I think it's really a couple of things. As a as a as a chief information security officer, you really need to understand your business operations and what the goals are, right? Because you're there for you're there to protect the company, but you're also there to create shareholder value and achieve those business outcomes. So, how do you you need to understand that so you can align your your approach and strategy, and also also your risk tolerance, right, to that level. Um, you know what what is what was important for me to focus on at when I in my previous company around like laser focused IP protection is not is not my number one risk and goal you know risk to mitigate here at United Airlines so shifting that thinking and understanding and adjusting kind of the priorities and the strategy around that is 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 number one and then number two is really around um, you know communication getting to everybody to understand what those risks are and what the trade-offs are, right? Um, we're going to operate in a high-risk country and we're, we don't have the capability to, you know, segment our environment or, you know, restrict access in the way we have, then I need to outline that, uh, outline that for the, you know, the lead- business leaders and we have to make a decision. Is that worth the, the revenue, the growth, the whatever, the margin that we're going to get? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll make a decision. So, it's really understanding your business operations and then setting that risk tolerance and, and getting everybody to understand to make those decisions. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, one of the 
amazing parts of your story. The news came out last year, joining uh, the board of a uh, public company, Black Blackbot. So yeah. congratulations yeah. again. Thank I you. Think, Thank you. You know, that was just one of those that uh, we see more and more. I think we'll see it more going forward. But um, when you went through that process, as you look back on that, uh, with SEC regulations shifting a lot more, CISOs in CIOs aspire to be on board. So any, any lessons learned, tips, any coaching you could provide? Sure. So um, the process is long, that's for sure. Just be prepared for that. If you get, uh, if you're, uh, it's not going to be short. You're going to be um, interviewing and talking to folks for, for a long time. Um, secondly, find a company and that you're a fit for, that you believe in their mission, their vision, their product, whatever it is. Uh, don't get be on a board to be on a board, right? Um, be on a board because it's a company that you can, you know, that you put the interest of your, you know, your expertise to work for the interests of the shareholders, right? So um, find, find that. That's really important, I think. And also the fit with the other board members and the management team. You want to make sure that like culturally and personally, like you're, 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 it's a good, good fit that way. Um, also, the, the other thing that's really important that I don't think people think of right off the bat is, uh, you know, if you have a full-time job as a CISO or a technology executive or whatever, um, you have a lot of commitments, right? So make sure that the time that the board, uh, that you can dedicate that time, um, not only for board meetings, understand the dates and the conflicts that you're going to have. Because if the board meetings are, the company's board meetings are, are in conflict with like key dates of your your own company's calendar, that you, you're just not going to be able to take that opportunity. So board board meetings are scheduled two, two years in advance usually. So ask for that calendar and make sure there's no conflicts there. Um, and you're set up for six for success there. And then, um, you know, I think it's really great that, uh, companies are understanding that the, the expertise and risk management capabilities and oversight, uh, oversight that a CISO can bring to their board is um, important to them. And I think it's great that we're seeing more and more companies do that. And the opportunity I have with Blackboard is great, but as a, as a board member, that is not your that is not your job, right? You're not single focused. It's not a single lens. Yes, you're going to participate in the risk and technology committee or whatever it is, or the cybersecurity committee or the audit committee, wherever they manage that. And you're going to you're going to be the expert there, and you're going to make sure that things are doing that the team's doing things right, and the questions you're asking are 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 you know thought provoking and things like that. But there's a lot around just corporate governance. And board responsibility for you know are you gonna are you gonna um, uh, issue a dividend or not right or um, you know CEO succession planning and and things like that right or 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 some other cor- corporate governance activities that are not typically what we as technology leaders get exposed to and that's a lot of what being a board member is so make sure that you're prepared for that you're you know getting out your you went to business school, getting out your corporate governance textbooks or doing some kind of training and be prepared for that because that is the majority of work that you're going to do and you're expected to add value as, as, a, as a board member. Yeah, I've heard it's upwards of public board 250 hours a year. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 There's That's lots a- of committee meetings or special meetings or, you know, in addition to the, the quarterly board meetings. Yeah. But you know, when you're flying business class and you're doing your prep work, it's not so bad, right? It's, no, uh, no, I, I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, saying with the board theme, uh, Denise, you know, we've we've heard the stories. I hear the stories all the time about 
the CISO's presentation to the board, and it's usually not good, right? You're good at this, right? So you're you see it on both sides. You you are a great communicator to the board. You're now a recipient of presentation to the board. So share your playbook if you would. What makes a good CISO presentation to the board? Yeah. So even before the presentation, you really need to understand kind of the the committee members that you are uh, that you're going to be presenting to. Understand their backgrounds, their perspectives. There's typically one or two, I'll say, tech savvy or cyber savvy folks. You want to be, you want to, you want to make sure that you're uh, creating a re- like trusted relationship that with them, and understand what they're, what's top of mind for them, um, and where they're, where they're kind of at in their understanding. Um, the other thing too is really to understand from a board perspective what other boards they're on, or if they're at a company that, um, you know, they're a CFO at a at a at a company right now, they're hearing their CISOs pitch, right? So you, you want to make sure that you're connecting with those other, your other peers to say, okay, hey, what what's on your agenda? What did you talk about? Or, you know, if there's a big event, hey, this is how I'm going to frame this, you know, so you're, you're consistent, or if you're not consistent, and you're at least understanding where, where the disconnects are, and you can explain that, because that's the point of reference from a board member. Remember, you know, they're coming in, they're hearing about cybersecurity once a quarter, more than likely, right? Or maybe even less than that. So understanding um, understanding that perspective, and then from your presentation, you know I like to make sure that it's consistent. There's no surprises, right? So set the agenda each time. You're going to hear from me. You're going to hear the overall kind of threat landscape and why that why we why why it matters to United, right? You're going to hear a um, a program update around you know we set these outcomes. We're going to we, we're going toward these three goals, the, the most important things, and here's where we're at to them. And so they understand that you have it, you're managing the risk, and they felt comfortable with it, right? Um, regulatory update, because there's a lot of stuff going on. And why Why do they, what well, our plan to comply? Why should they care? You have things like that. And if there's any other education that you need to do with them, like there's always things that are happening in the media. And you want to make sure that you are pulling those, those kind of current events in cyber in and saying, hey, you know, this is why you should care about it. Um, and this is why this is what we're doing about it at United, you know, and, and you know, what is our exposure? Um, are we good? Are we you know, still have some work to do? Things like that. But like have that consistent agenda, because if you go in there and you talk about, you know, like detailed metrics one time and then the next time you're talking about, you know, a, a capability maturity assessment. And then the next time you're talking about some other thing, they, they don't have a they don't they're not sure what to expect or what questions to ask having that consistency. And then they'll give you feedback, right? They'll say, hey, th- those four things are great, but I'd also want to talk about X, Y, Z. And you can start to kind of hone in and, and evolve your your presentation and the information that you present to the board. Brilliant. Um, a lot of good nuggets there. I didn't hear anything about fear as a strategy. <laughs> it didn't. I remember what, like I, I did a I did like a roundtable just yesterday, or was it yesterday or the day before? I'm losing track of time with um like the upcoming CISOs, like the you know um, and somebody asked me about my first board presentation, and I was like, gosh, that was kind of a long time ago. I'm dating myself, but I remember I was scared to death to go in that boardroom. I was scared to death. I mean, I was nervous, red faced. You know, it was it was a it was a it was not a fun experience. Um. But each time it gets better, and now it's now it's like having a conversation, which is good. <laughs> yeah, you got to just get through those uh, uncomfortable yeah. parts, right? Yeah. Just got to work through it. Yeah, so, yeah. Good, good tips. Um, 
you know, we like to uh, to pull some some people in with some audience questions. We've got two really outstanding ones for you, Janine. So let's listen in to the first one. Have some fun with the question. Tell us and tell us who this is. Janine is a great addition to the Blackboard board. Your background in IT and cybersecurity is a wonderful addition to our board. My question for you is, what do companies need to do to stay on top of the ever-changing cyber landscape, especially with the emergence of artificial intelligence capabilities coming to market? Who is that, Denine? That is Mike from Black, our CEO at Blackbaud. Yeah, yeah, great. I'm glad you got a question from him. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mike. That's, that's a great question. Uh, great, very important relationship, right, for him and for yes. you. Uh, Yes. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Mike. So what's the, uh, what do you think uh, about his question? No, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, cybersecurity is one of those uh, risks and uh, kind of domains that change on a on a minute by minute basis. So you really have to understand um, what those emerging risks and threats are. And the way you do that really is around um, having a, a threat intel based program, right, to understand what is what is going on, not only in your environment and your industry, but other connecting and adjacent industries. So understanding um, um, you know, those trends and informing your cybersecurity strategy with threat intelligence is really important. As well as, you know, um, your business outcomes based on the technology platforms that, you know, your DT and technology teams are looking at at like as Mike said is, you know, chat GPT comes in or generative AI comes in place that opens a whole new kind of attack vector as well as risks that weren't thought of before. I probably should have, uh, if I had the question beforehand, I would have tap typed it in chat GPT and, uh, and answered, and I could have answered it that way. And, 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 uh, let Mike, like let Mike see what, what he thought about that. But, um, from a generative AI standpoint, there's a couple of risks that a company should be thinking about it. Um, the first one is, it can do a lot. It, it can do a lot, but should it do things for you, right? Um, so for instance, uh, you know, if you're thinking about chat TPT and all the use cases, um, you know, you might, you know, delegating authority or having the input on the safety, you know, a safety process or approval or whatever, probably is not a great thing to do. Um, you, you have to think about what it can do versus what you should do. Also, the generative AI um, tools, not just ChatGPT, but they, they, they're not, when you talk to a human, they have some level of context, right? I think this may be the right answer or we're, 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 we're very confident or we're, we have a low level of confidence that this is the right thing. When you go into the generative AI models right now, what you, the answer is the answer, right? So there's the risk of um, the, the, the content, not having that context, and then the disinformation around that. So there, there's things things that, I mean, of course, there's the IP protection, privacy considerations, and then in general, um, you know, cybersecurity risks around, you know, things like um, prompt jacking is a new new attack vector that can be can be exploited. Um, and then, you know, generating AI, you know, is not always used for good. It could be used for bad, you know, malware generation, or even thinking about uh, how, it will impact social engineering and phishing attempts. Um, it could be an interact, you know, very interactive um, uh, and be much more real than what happens today. So there's a lot of considerations, particularly with that example that you have to go through 
And in this case for generative AI, you know, really create a responsible, I'll say AI framework that your company can operate in. Yeah, that's a that's a great response, uh, Danine. And you know, wish Mike and the company well, you well with the board. You know, they do great work, cloud computing for nonprofits, healthcare, higher ed, religious organizations, right? So really interesting customers out there. So uh, really doing cool. Um, another question comes from uh, Brian Watson, who's my co-author of a book called Confessions of a Successful CIO. And he and I were just joking the other day, if and when we write the book Confessions of a Successful CISO, you will be called. You are gonna, we're going to be okay, talking great. to you and unpacking your story here. But Brian has a lot of respect for you and your body of work. So let's listen to his. He's got a really great question for you. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my question, Deneen. Uh, thinking about how much is changing in cybersecurity and the fact that the, the pressure that CISOs and their teams are under is, is higher than ever, um, what do you think are the most critical leadership skills for CISOs today and in the future that maybe could land them in the Hall of Fame like yourself? Thanks. Congratulations to the Hall of Fame, by the way. Very oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah thank A couple you. of years ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. Yeah, so what are those leadership skills you think, Tenny? So first of all, I think, you know, this is kind of my 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 mainstay that I always say is really um, being able to create trusted relationships. So that takes time, effort, and a lot of work to be able to do that. But if you think about what you do as a as a cybersecurity professional, as a CISO, you have to be trusted, implicitly trusted, right? To do the right thing, to have everyone's back. Um, so you have to work at that. It's great that you, a lot of us come with domain expertise and that gets you to a point, right? But you have to work on having those trusted relationships and really developing that. So again, that implicit trust, people say, yep, going to do the right thing. I know it. And, and, uh, um, we'll make sure that uh, they have your back as well, too. Uh, secondly is around um, communication and storytelling. I think that is so important. Cybersecurity, technology risk, digital risk management, they're all kind of like these concepts, right, that people are, are like, well, I kind of get it. I really, yeah, that makes sense. But they really can't say what it is or what the problem is. A lot of times when I, you know, ask uh ask a question even to, you know, maybe people that are running programs for me, they're like, I'm like, well, what problem are we trying to solve? They say, well, we're blocking this, then that, the other. I'm like, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you what problem are we trying to solve? So really being able to tell the story around what the issues are, what the risks are in a relatable, natural language way that makes sense to people is important and that will be able to that that you'll be able to i think you know get a lot more buy-in for your initiatives or people will kind of rally around um for you as well as starting to connect the dots for you so as they are doing their work right maybe it's in accounts payable or treasury or whatever they'll be like hey you know you told me this yesterday or you i listened to you talk and i was thinking about what i'm doing and you know that makes sense now i, I should really think about that so that's like when that happens, that's like, I love that. That's like success for me, a measure of success for me when I can do that. And then lastly, really is systemic thinking as a, uh, you know, is that systemic systems thinking as a, as a CISO, you have to be able to do that. Uh, you know, your world is everything. 
you can't be an expert on everything, but you have to understand the relationships around what matters. And if something is happening here, what's the downstream impact or the upstream impact or whatever. So, you know, really that systems thinking will will help. And I think that differentiates a lot of really successful um, uh, CISOs and uh, technology professionals as well. Yeah, I love that those three. And and um, I, I was just thinking as we were talking about communication, communicating, storytelling, is there a... Uh, a great metaphor that you tend to you tend to lean on when you're trying to communicate difficult topics, you know, that to an audience that may not understand the nuances. Well, I think for me, it's a I wouldn't say it's easier, but I you know I work in a safety conscious industry, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, analogies that I can pull in from you know the way we maintain airworthiness on aircraft, you know, the way we 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 handle safety issues and things like that. So um I tend to make sure that it's it's in that context. I don't use the hey this is the house, the windows are open. You know, like a lot of or like sports metaphors or things like that. Um I think it's e- not it's easy for me because we are every we're immersed in that safety culture and that operational resiliency and excellence and everybody gets it. That's why we're there. So um, I tend to tend to use the airline airplane analogies that way. I mean, it's it's brilliant, right? Because I mean, what matters to the people you're communicating with? What are they intuitively? You called it earlier the muscle memory. It's that's so good. Um, kind of playing this theme a little bit longer. Uh, and Brian, thank you for that great question. Uh, our friends over at Lightcast have done some research around the state of cyber leadership, and they found that only 22 percent of current cyber leaders at all levels have managed previously. That means eight out of 10 cyber teams are being led by somebody without prior management background. So just curious your thought on that, but how are you going about building a pipeline? You know, you're very intentional about this. Yes. Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, the technical aspects are great. Like you have to have that that baseline of technology and and the domain expertise and whatever you're doing from a cyber standpoint. Um, But the but the leading and managing people, either either directly as you know direct reports in the hierarchy of your team, or indirectly, is super important. That ability to influence and create a shared you know shared vision, shared need, shared goals is really really important. And I I think you know as you develop as we develop um, leaders as we develop leaders as I think about that you know if there's potential there like you know, you see that potential it's really giving someone their the the opportunity to influence without authority because if they're successful that way then they can start to build a team because you know, people respond to you if you're in the org the org chart i mean if you say hey do this they're more than likely going to you know do it because you know you they have a, you have influence over their performance rating how much they get paid things like that but you know if if it's a cross-functional team and, you know, you have really no, no uh, direct authority over whatever outcome you're trying to drive and you can get people on board and everybody collaborating to that, again, shared outcome. That's, that's the first kind of step of leadership. And I think that's really important. And, you know, I think people need to think about leadership more in that way, rather than having a huge team or how many people report to you or whatever, because that, you know, you could be, have a bunch of people, but not be a great leader, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear that a lot. And one of the other things that I find great leaders like yourself, you know, you, your days are so full, 
right? Your weeks are packed. Uh, but still, you find that ability to bring energy. You bring that A game every day for yourself, your people. Um, but I think the real magic is being able to energize people. So, do you do that? In, do you do that intuitively? Do you do? You, uh, how do you do that every day? I mean, that's just incredible, given all that's coming at you. Well, you know, I think um, you know, being a leader, whether whether you like it or not, people are taking cues off you, right? So, how you show up. And how you represent is going to set the tone for everything else, right? So, you know, I have a, a, a hey, I have a few trusted people, like you know, my peers and even some of my you know people on my team, where I can go and vent and be like, you know, oh my god, like I can't even, I can't even do this anymore, right? And that's all fine and good for the five minutes that I can do that. But I've, I again, I developed those trusted relationships that they, you know, and everybody, we're all human. Everybody needs to do that, right? Right. But when you're when you you do have to show up and you do have to have the right attitude, the right energy, because that does set the tone for the rest of the team. Um, it takes work. Some, and it is exhausting, you know, it is exhausting. So um, I, I make sure that I am present and I'm actively listening. Right. And I'm not, uh, not even if I'm, you know, kind of like not in the best mood or um, frustrated or irritated that it's not projecting and changing, you know, changing the dynamic of, of what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm very, very intentional, very aware about that. Again, that takes practice because when I was, when I was younger and earlier in my career, I mean, and I, you know, if I'm, I still kind of have those regression, but you could see everything on my face. Right. And you could like, I would just be like, Oh my God, you know, like you can't do that. You can't do that when you're kind of trying to lead the charge. Um, so that's kind of how I, my philosophy on that. And then I also, you know, when you're on 24 by seven, when you're interacting with people, you know, you start your day at a meeting at, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and then you're to lunch with people and then you have meetings and then you're to dinner with people and maybe grab a drink there. I mean, that's a long day and, you know, it's three or four days of the, that stuff. I mean, I do take time for myself. So I, I like, I need I need like to be by myself and do things to recharge or, um, you know, I, I would not be able to, to kind of keep going keep going. So I have to do that. You know, I, I find there's a, there's a, a difference between people who are, are proactive about reaching out, building it. You know, I, I think network is kind of the old, the old term. I, I talk about it more in connection, right? But those who do that have that folder friend, have that peer group, have other thought leaders, how do you go about that? Like, what advice would you give people in terms of how you do it to have meaningful connections? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I again make time to to reach out. I schedule that. I'm like, oh, I, I you know, I haven't had, I haven't talked to this person for a while. I need to follow up with them, just check in, see what's going on. So, I'm very intentional about making sure that I'm, you know, keeping keeping like you know in contact with folks and and creating, you know. You know, not just around work stuff, but you know, whatever, whatever's important to them, I make sure I understand that as well too. So, um, again, that takes work. That takes a lot of time, and I'm not great at it. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, I should have talked to that person three months ago, and now I need something, and I haven't talked to them for three months, and oh, I'm gonna look like, you know, whatever. But um, I really do just try to make sure that I'm in, like, just you know, short, you know, uh, you know, short contact, constant little little bursts of um you know, connection, like you said, to make sure that I'm doing that. And then I, I also, you know, participate a lot in the, the peer like groups as well too. Um, cause those are curated and facilitated as well too. So, 
you know, you you get that um, you get that kind of benefit of learning from others, but you are also kind of on the side, like you know, you could ping somebody and say, "Hey, I really liked what you said there," and you're creating that connection and relationship on a different level than just the just the the meeting that you're in with them. So those are a couple of ways I do it. These jobs are too big; they're too hard, right? It, it, what you saw two three years ago, you know, you see new things today, so it's you're going to have that that uh, that that connection. You know, one of the fun things we do here on the on the program is we we have the scholarship, right? For in your case, we have a Cyber LX, a nine month leadership program, and we'd like to give you the ability to gift a seat in that program to one of the organizations that you and United support. So, what if somebody comes to mind? So, you know, I I love the organization um, called Share Share the Mic in Cyber. Um, I've been involved with them for a couple of years. They're an organization that. Um, started to address, uh, you know, I'll say racism in cybersecurity and really support um, black cyber professionals um, as a, you know, and, and amplify and their voices uh, in a way that was really unique and meaningful. So um, I would love to be able to, you know, uh, engage, you know, I still, I always engage with them, but I'd love to be able to uh, uh, give them the, the, the scholarship there. So great. That's awesome. Yeah, let's get connected with them. And uh, I have not heard of them. So share share the mic. Share the mic in cyber, yeah. In Thank cyber. You. Okay, fantastic. And uh, big shout out to my ITSMF friends too. Uh, you know, ITSMF, great uh, great organization that'll probably be very familiar with that. So that's really good. Well, we've kind of come to the end of our time together here on the podcast, but you and I got to spend a few more minutes here and we're going to publish a blog post uh, digging more to your playbook. And I'm excited about that. Uh, some of your communication uh, techniques that you use that really allow you to be successful and, and more. But I know our audience has been, I've, I'm inspired. I'm energized, uh, Denise. So thanks so much. And uh, just appreciate all that you do for not just United, but our, our profession. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Excellent. We'll see you all again soon. Developing a robust pipeline of future-ready IT leaders who know how to show up and engage differently is paramount to success today. If you would like to learn more about the Tech LX Leadership Development Program that Dan talks about in the podcast, we invite you to visit techwhisperers.net. Equip your workforce with a new mindset and skill set needed to maximize impact, increase engagement, and build a world-class talent magnet brand. You've been listening to Tech Whisperers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolette and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.